Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you could only watch three wrestling matches for the rest of your life, what would they be and why? That is what I'm asking some of wrestling's best, be it in the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell, and thank you for joining me once again on Cultaholic Island for Desert Island Graps. Now, as you make your way through passport control, let me introduce you to our guest of honour on Cultaholic Island today. He's actually our first VIP on the island from the United Kingdom. Although he's not there as often as he'd like to be at the moment because he is incredibly busy travelling the world as the reigning NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished island guests, this is Nick Aldis. My name is Nick Aldis, and I am on a crusade. The man who carries the 10 pounds of gold has a responsibility for this title to be genuinely deemed the world's championship, to be defended around the world against any and all comers. I, and I alone, will bring the 10 pounds of gold back I'm really excited to be chatting to uh, NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis, but I also have to say that my mate Stuart is really excited that I'm chatting to the Big O, <laughs> which which must feel like a different lifetime now. Very upsetting to think that it was 11 years ago. To the bone, loudmouth, opinionated, and just loads of fun to watch. It's the Big O himself, Oblivion. I came to see you wrestle at the Purdyswell Leisure Centre in Worcester, where they said Oblivion is in the main event. <laughs> I'm sure that they didn't pay uh, B Sky B the full um, rights fee for the use of the name, and I'm sure it was a bootleg. Oblivion with two ends. <laughs> Honestly, it was the best job I've ever had. Like, which is, you know, when you, th- you sp- I spent, uh, you know, probably from about the age of, I don't know, 13 or 14 was when I really sort of solidified in my mind, like, I want to be a pro wrestler. Like, I want to do that for a job. Like, why can't I do that? It's funny to think that when I think back on that job, like, that was easily the best gig I've ever had. You know, I've had, obviously had a huge amounts of fun doing what I do here, but I think because I take wrestling so seriously, and I, you know, obviously you're always your own worst critic. I always want to get better at it and always want to do more. And with, with Gladiators, it was just so unexpected. I am still the undisputed, undefeated Earthquake Champion of the World! I don't care for any other, anyone else's feelings. I don't care for anybody else's 
you know, sense of sportsmanship. I'm not going to go up to somebody and go, oh, well done, you did really well, especially if they weren't. I mean, if they were terrible, I'm going to tell them they were terrible. He said he was going to get 10. Minor improvement on last time. The fact still remains, he's the ultimate champion of the world. None of those guys were, were real competition to me as performers, and I don't mean that as a, as a slight on them. They were all really good athletes, and I knew sort of that that wasn't really the important thing on that show. Like, I knew that you had to just be athletic enough and, you know, and have a good enough look to sort of carry the carry the character. But really what you needed was, you know, to be an entertainer. And I remember the day they got everyone together, and it was real serious, and they were sort of like, we've decided uh, that we really need a villain. We need one person to be like the bad guy in this, like who wants to do it. And I shot my hand up so fast thinking that everyone, thinking that everyone would want to do that. And nobody put their hands up. And I remember like all the other guys looking at me like I was insane. Atlas is the old name, Sam, he's such a sweetheart, but just so naive. He really thought that like, this was going to be like a career for him, bless his heart. But he was like, have you thought this through? You know, like this is, uh, you're going to be a bad guy. Everyone's going to boo you. No one's going to like it. And I was like, yeah. I was just like, are you kidding me? I was like, this is exactly, I was, you know, within, within like two episodes, they sort of went, oh, you know, because then I had, you know, I was just, I was requested for every bit of media. I got, you know, way more appearances, did all that. I just had such a good time doing that. And as you say, for somebody who wanted to get into to being a wrestler, you had a chance to, to flex those chops, like the athletic side of it, the promo side of it. And you had a, what came across as a legit wrestling feud with Harvey from So Solid Crew. <laughs> Oh my God! I hate to I hate to break the fourth wall for anyone who who thought this was, it, but it was a total work. As like he just came in and just got it immediately. Like I remember him walking straight in and like first into the green room and was and was like, "Where is he?" Like I'd never met him before, and he was like, "There," and he was like, "There he is." And I was like, "Hey, what's up, man? Like, how are you?" And he was just like, "Oh, you and me are gonna do something. I want like this is the whole reason I want to do this show is like, I want to do something with you." And I was just like, honestly, I, I had very little knowledge of who he was, <laughs> so I just sort of went like, oh, "All right, cool, yeah." We've got so much to talk about today, but uh, I want to get into your first wrestling match. So the whole concept is um, we're sending you, metaphorically, to a desert island, but you're only allowed to burn yes. three wrestling matches onto a DVD to watch. So I'd like uh, from you, Nick, your first wrestling match. This is actually quite easy for me because I have, a, like, it might be my weird OCD uh, habits coming into effect anyway, but I have sort of... Uh, I have certain matches that I always sort of go to anyway, even on flights and stuff like that. If I, if I don't feel like watching something that I need to sort of really tax my brain, you know, or, or I don't think I'm going to stay awake for two hours for a, a movie or something. So, um, I had, I definitely have like a short list already, but whittling it down to three, you know, is a little tougher, but without question, as soon as I saw this, I, I knew immediately the one match that I watch more than any other match over, you know, by, by quite a long stretch too, um, is, uh, King of the ring 93 semifinal Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. A classic encounter, Eden. You can see anything here. You want to see wrestling? You'll see it. You want to see fighting? You'll see it. You want to see a ball, a street fight? You're going to see it right here. Gentlemen, we know the NBA finals are ongoing. It's a big matchup. Eric Jordan, Charles Barkley. This is what I, uh, my analogy of these two men. That's the parallels right here, Randy. Check out the determination of Mr. Perfect's face. People talk about Brett and Perfect. You know, a lot of the time they talk about the match at the Garden where Brett won the Intercontinental title. And that that was great. Like, I was, but for me, I don't know why, but there's something about the King of the Ring match 
I just love it on every level. I think maybe the thing that puts it over the top for me is the fact that it's JR and Bobby Heenan commentating and Savage. And JR at this point to me, like just unbelievable, just untouchable as a, as a commentator. And I need every sense stimulated from a good match, right? Like, and there's just something about the energy of that match and the, and the way that they call it and the way that it's presented and just like the, it just has everything. I just love the way that this, the story that they tell, I can learn something new every time I watch it. And, but at the same time, also just completely enjoy it as a fan it's just a masterpiece it's that promo that before it it's the bit where gene oakland is between brett and Puppet yes. and he's sort of geeing him up a little bit sort of get my dad beat your dad or your dad never beat my dad and all yeah it was great draw a couple of analogies both of you are second generation right. wrestlers your father a great one and of course uh larry the axe a great one but uh did the two of them ever meet? I'm very curious. Yeah, they met. My dad beat his dad. Your dad never beat my dad. Hey, I remember SummerSlam, Hart. I owe you. And tonight I'm going to pay back. And don't ever say your dad could beat my dad because he couldn't on his best day. People always have this conversation, like, you know, who is the greatest to never be world champion? And to, to me, it's not even close. Like, to me, it's perfect. Like, it's, it's Kurt Hennig without a doubt. The thing with him is that he's just so believable because he was genuinely super talented at, at all those things. Like, I just, when I, as soon as I saw the Mr. Perfect vignettes, I think because, you know, at that time especially, as a kid, it's like there's nothing cooler than someone who can do like, you know, when you're, you know, in England growing up, like if you see someone do like really good keepy uppies or, you know, and stuff like that, you would just be like, Oh, cool. You know, like, or someone just, you know, just effortlessly like sink a basketball or, you know, throw darts. And it was just like that to me just made him the coolest guy. For, for me, Bret Hart was my hero. He still is, you know, like he just was the guy for me. Like he was the first, he was the first wrestler that I just completely idolized, you know? So it was like to have them, you know, squaring off was just, for me, I was just, just so captivated from every, every single, every single bit of it. I, and I alone, will bring the 10 pounds of gold back to a place once taken by Flair. Race, Rhodes, for this title to be genuinely deemed the world's championship. It must join me on this crusade to be defended around the world against any and all comers worthy of the challenge. You are currently the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, sir. It's, it must still feel a little bit weird to say that out loud. Absolutely. The timing, you know, of, of that coming along was was very fortuitous because I think had, had I gone another six months or a year um, with, you know, with the way things were going, I probably would have just got out of the business and, and, and just decided like, okay, you know, the, 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 the business has moved in a direction that doesn't really suit guys like me anymore. Um, the sensibility seemed to be very skewed towards smaller guys, you know, doing, you know, ton of high spots and this sort of grunge alternative sort of look and, you know, and all that kind of thing. And I just, I had spent my whole career kind of crafting a, a more, what I call a sort of classic style. The, the only thing I really dislike about the business today is, is how we've forced this sort of polarizing nature on the fans, right? Like it, it's, it's like, 
it's not enough to be a fan of a certain style. You also have to hate everything else, which is to me is just so it's just so ridiculous. It's just such a, a weird way of thinking. Why can't we have this style of stuff and this style of stuff? Why does one have to negate the other? I don't understand, you know, and, and I just was so ready to just kind of say, okay, I guess, you know, I'll just look back at this fondly as like a nice chapter of my life. And Dave called me, Dave Lagana, and, and then, you know, explained what had happened with TNA and all that with with Billy and basically said what they were doing. I'd seen something about Billy by the NWA and when I got off the phone with Dave and I sort of understood a little more about where, you know, what they were, what they were thinking. And then Billy called me immediately and then basically pretty much echoed all the things that I had said about the business, which was like, I don't understand why, because this one particular style has become, you know, more prevalent that it means that the other style has to go away or the other, you know, or these other type, these other styles of presentation have to go away. And, you know, and he said, he, he just said, I think there's just a lot of money being left on the table. And I happen to agree with him, you know, and, and like from a business standpoint, I think everyone should be able to look at that and recognize that it's been a labor of love. Billy has dipped into his own money to pay me and to pay Dave and to pay others. It wasn't what I was making in my best years at TNA, right? Like it's a different, it's a different kettle of fish. It's a startup company, but the, but the rewarding element of it is, is just 10 times whatever I achieved as TNA world champion, because to be part of this historical kind of relevance and, and uh, for by being able to get hold of the Houston, Houston wrestling library so that we could really reference that properly and really show all the greats and everything. I think the timing was right. To me, it's proof of concept. I had always been frustrated at how the business had gone so far away from presenting it like a sport because everyone was doing this whole like wrestling silly. It's supposed to be silly, and blah, like, and I just, I think that's lazy. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I disagree with it or agree with it. You know, it, it, on on a meta level, I'm just saying like for most people, that's just a crutch to be lazy because they don't want to commit to like taking it seriously and, and, and taking people on a ride because it's much easier just to, just to like wink at people and be like, Hey, isn't this stupid? Look at me, do something stupid, you know, and everyone to be like, Oh yeah, wrestling silly. We're all in this little club together. But like, that's not going to get anywhere like on a, on a major level. It's just not, I'd rather take a risk and, you know, present this in a, in a meaningful way, like you're a somebody and fall flat on my face than to just accept like, Oh yeah, this is just a niche thing. Let's just mess around and let's always have a good time and, you know, and joke about what's, you know, how stupid we are for being wrestlers. Right. Like, and, and, and again, it's not a slight on anyone or anything like that. It's just, I looked at, I looked around and I said, you know, right at the time we were doing this, we were, we were in the, they were, they were building, um, Mayweather and McGregor. You know, and I said, they're doing, they're doing wrestling better than wrestling. Two big personalities just cutting promos on each other to the point where you're going, oh God, I can't wait for these guys to tangle. This is going to be crazy. That's how I got to the point where I basically said, this is what I want to do. And if we can do this, then I'm on board. And that's how 10 pounds of gold came about because I basically said, I want to do stuff like HBO does for boxing or like Showtime does for boxing. I want to do long form builds to one important match. I'd rather have five really important matches in a year than have 25 star classics to put that concept into effect and to, to less than a year after going into effect to be standing there with Cody and having, you know, 
a sold out Chicago, like 11,000 people just standing before we even touched. That was the most gratifying thing about that, that whole situation. Comparing your current run as world's heavyweight champion to uh, your time as Magnus in TNA. On the outside, it felt like with TNA, you were part of a story being told by a group of people. This very much feels yes. like this is you and this is your vision. They're giving you the respect and the creative freedom to carry it out. That's absolutely accurate. That's 100% the difference. You know, it's like when I won the TNA world title, I beat Jeff Hardy in a cage or, you know, in a cage slash ladder on a stage, TNA, you know, overbooked, the Dixie whatever. The if memory serves. Yeah, like... But but nonetheless, it's Jeff Hardy, who is just a phenomenal talent, you know, one of the biggest stars in the business on cable television, on TV in 120 countries around the world. Even now, like when people talk about my body of work, I guarantee you the first thing they talk about is the NWA title. The authenticity has to be there. And you're right. Like what I was doing there was me being pulled in 10 different directions by 10 different people with 10 different agendas. The second that I got the title at TNA, I immediately felt like these negative forces trying to sabotage me and trying to, to, to engineer situations to where my where it wouldn't work. If you want to go back through history and look up who it is, it's not hard to figure out who it was, but it was basically the guy who whose spot I, you know, quote unquote, took as the top heel. And I just remember thinking, so you're willing to just kind of sabotage and, and mess up the entire show just to have it for yourself. It was like the little kid who loses the game and then flips the board over with all the pieces, right? To watch people get so easily manipulated and then be like, oh, no, no, you're paranoid. You know, you're overthinking it. I just remember being so disheartened to contrast that with what I'm doing now. Like you said, here it's me, for better or for worse. If it works, I get the credit. If it doesn't work, I get the blame. I know it's been sort of all over the, the, the news cycle this week. It must be a slow news week that I, you know, quote, unquote, turned down AEW. But, you know, I just brought that up in an interview because they asked me, and I basically said, yeah, they approached me at the beginning of the year, and I, I would have gone and worked with them had they allowed me to continue doing the NWA stuff, but they, but you know, Tony Khan wanted me to be exclusive and I didn't see the point in that. Like I've got no ill will towards him. I love, you know, I love Cody and those guys. I just kind of went, um, no, I've really, I've spent two years developing this and, and put my heart and soul into this. So I, I, it's, it would be unfair for me to walk away now and just, just to be another name on that roster. You know, I'm not the only guy who's been approached by them who's then decided to come to come and do this. Eli was the same thing. You are looking at the newest acquisition of the National Wrestling Alliance. And who's going to stop me, huh? Nobody. And I'll tell you why. Because I can't even stop me. I can't stop the undeniable Kavorka. I can't stop being the defiant one. And more importantly than anything else, I can't stop being Eli Drake. Which means the NWA is going to be turned upside down. And that's not an insult. That is just a fact of life. Yeah. He's another guy who has a very distinct vision for who he wants to be uh, you know and sometimes that can be met with resentment by people holding on to their spots in in creative positions that's where the big disconnect happens in our business is that there are people who get paid to be the smart one in the room and then can't stand it if someone else is smart too so then you as a talent get told hey you don't get paid to think you don't get paid to write you know you just get paid to do i get paid to think and i get paid to write it's like yeah but my idea is better <laughs> if your idea is better than mine this is where it makes no sense right because if if, if you if you were a writer or a creative and i said hey i want to do this and then you said okay well i was thinking this and i thought that's going to be more entertaining so then i'm going to 
look better. I'm not going to go, no, I want to do my way. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go, oh shit, that your way makes me look like a superstar. Yeah, let's do that. Like that's going to be way more entertaining. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let's get on to your second wrestling match uh, for your DVD. So we've had uh, a King of the Ring beauty between Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. What's your second choice? This is where it got a bit difficult for me because there was one I had because there was sort of two that sprung to mind as far as the two matches that I watched that really made me, that really solidified my thing of going, okay, I think I want to be a wrestler, like not just watch this, I want to do this. Um, the honorable mention goes to uh, the main event of Backlash 2000, uh, Rock and Triple H, where you know because I just I just loved the whole the way that that whole that all came about and the the you know the Rock was so hot at that point and the finish and everything with it was just such great like attitude era nonsense you know like just all these run-ins and stuff but it was done in a way that was and it just built so well and everyone was so over and it was just you know just what we call it just such a great piece of business but it was that match and the match that i'm going to put on my disc which is uh, wrestlemania 15 rock and stone cold which they're the two ones that after i saw my soul went i think i want to do this and rock already talking The match was no DQ, and it was like they spent a lot of it just brawling. It's very, very much of the time, you know, so to speak, as far as the Attitude Era. Like, it's not, you know, it, there's not a lot of wrestling in it. It's, you know, it's pretty much just a brawl, and then they just start doing false finishes. The entrances and the crowd and the the finish, the, 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 the call, the whole, the, you know, just the whole experience. Even the beginning of that segment where, where Vince is supposed to be the 
special referee and then Shawn Michaels is the commissioner and he comes out and cuts this great promo and then kicks out Vince and is like, you know, hit the bricks, McMahon. And, you know, and it was just like the whole thing was just the Attitude Era just had so many stars that they could just create these segments where it was just huge pop after huge pop after huge pop layered on top of one another to the point where you were just in a frenzy, just like, ah, what's happening? Like, this is crazy. This is so crazy. Like, you know, here comes Vince, huge heel reaction. Then here comes Sean, huge babyface reaction. He kicks Vince out, huge babyface reaction. Here comes The Rock, even bigger heel reaction. Then here comes Austin, biggest reaction of all time. You know, like, and then they, and they, you know, these two guys like brawling and the whole place is going nuts. And then, you know, and, and mankind's involved in the finish and, you know, Steve gets the one, two, three, with the stunning if you try to explain to someone why do you like wrestling that's the match that you'd show someone because you go isn't it just fun and i think just the nostalgia element like i can watch that match over and over again and, and immediately be transported back to being well, i think i was when was that 99 so i would have been like 12 13 completely awestruck by this being like whoa look at this this is crazy like i want to be just like that and you know, that's that's why I put that match on the DVD. Would you, stay, on would the you DVD. staying up late to watch it on box office, or would it have been the day after school? Uh, no, you know, I would have, I was getting up. I would I would go to bed early and set and set an alarm, um, and then uh, I remember I remember being so um, I remember being so excited. Like when, remember when Channel Four got WWF for a oh while? God, yeah. <laughs> and like some of the pay per views would be on Channel Four. I seem to remember. Um, they had covered. They had Royal Rumble 2001 on Channel 4, and I'm, I remember my frustration as the Big Show made his return in the Rumble. Ad breaks. Ad break. What are you doing to me? Ad breaks. Yes. I remember once, like a limo pulls up and it's, oh wait, who's this? You know, and then like a pair of shoes gets out and it's like, oh, I think it might have been backlash. Actually, it was like the whole like, where's Austin? Where's Stone Cold? And it's like, oh, Austin, don't wear those kind of shoes. And then it pans up and it's like, that's the Rock and the place went nuts. And then it was like, ad break. And I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> oh. You talked about how WrestleMania 15 was, and that particular match was what made you want to become uh, a wrestler. And I know that a figure that was a big part of your becoming a wrestler was Harley Race. Well, this is easily something I never thought I'd be doing, sitting with the eight-time former world's champion, Harley Race. Harley, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. We've, we've worked really hard to try and bring back some of the prestige attached to this title and you know a huge huge part of that is the legacy that guys like yourself and Ric Flair and Dory Funk and people like that have left behind what does it mean to you to see that the title still has some relevance today you know 70 years on well it's all great you know no matter how you frame it it comes out to where if you were lucky enough to have held it there, it's damnable good. Yeah, yeah. You got it eight times. Eight times. Do you have any any one any uh, win in particular was your favorite? At the beginning, yes. You spent two thirds of, of your life trying to get in that right. position, and then boom, you're there, and everything's rolling great. It's, it's all good. I tend to avoid talking about it too much, but but early early on in my career, especially or you know even before I you know before I started training to wrestle, like the guy I tried to sort of emulate the most was Triple H. Even from a young age, I think I understood that I'm British, so the chances of me being the tippy top babyface would be difficult simply because of the nature of the audience, right? Like it would be just, and I I always liked the heels. 
you know, like I just always I, like, like, like with WrestleMania 15, even though The Rock was a heel, like I kind of liked him better than Stone Cold. I loved Stone Cold, don't get me wrong, but there was like The Rock, I was like, God, he's cool. Like I want to be like that, you know? And then fast forward to the next year and then Triple H just completely comes into his own and he's jacked and he's like, just looks like a, a, a machine, you know, and he's just got so much heat, but he's just kind of so smooth in the ring and so sort of flawless and stuff. And so I really started studying him before, you know, even before I started learning to wrestle. And so I would pay attention to a lot of the thing that was said on commentary and a lot. And one thing that would come up a lot from JR would be like, Oh, shades of Harley race, you know, like shades of Harley race with that high knee, or he would take the, he took the, uh, he took Harley's um, backwards flip over the top you know, out of the corner and, you know, things like that. And so as I started to become a student of the game, I started going, oh, check out this Harley race, you know, and, and so I sort of started to, to see it. And, you know, it was only much later that I really understood just how groundbreaking Harley was um, as a performer, because here's this guy who everyone always talks about. He's, he's tough and he's, he's, you know, he's, he's hard as nails and he takes no, you know, pulls no punches, you know, and all this kind of thing. He was also this incredibly generous performer took you know took tons of bumps and made everybody look great you know and and that went and i the more i understood it the more i saw so many similarities and saw so much influence in triple h um so it just kind of percolated through to me i found out that harley does a, a training camp he did a training camp every summer and i just went i i've got to i've got to get the money together to go do this now after a couple of days i remember he just pulled me pulled me to a side and was like you're looking good over there kid you know like that was it like just something you know just a little thing of like in other words kind of like you're one of the you're one of the better guys here kind of thing like or, you know and he said like you he's like you could do something and i was like oh okay <laughs> you know <laughs> he took me to his office and like showed me all these old clippings of like pictures of him slamming andre the giant and all these old things from japan and stuff like that and i was just you know i was like wow you know i was like i was 20 years old i wasn't even old enough to drink in america yet you know and he, i remember there was like a strip club and he like pointed to it was like you know what that is over there kid i was like yeah and he's like it's a titty bar <laughs> like yeah i know and he's like yeah you can go in there and tell them you know harley they'll take care of you and i was like oh okay <laughs> whenever tna would go through missouri he would usually come to the house shows and stuff like that you know i always made a point to see him and i remember thinking oh god i bet he probably won't even remember me you know and then i i saw him and um with i was with jeff jarrett and i was and and you know harley came in and he just i just happened to be near the back door and he came in and i was like hey, hello harley like my name's nicole this you know I, I, used, I came to your camp in 2007 he's like yeah you've been doing good kid like and i was like oh cool like he remembers me you know like and then he, and he saw jeff jarrett and he was like hey jerry good to see you <laughs> and jeff was just like i can't believe that just happened you know, like, it's just it's just weird how it worked out you know because subconsciously i really studied harley a lot and flair because of triple h well you know obviously a lot of that has influenced and sort of led me to this point with the nwa title and it's probably why you know i've been able to do a good job with it because it's sort of that's kind of what i wanted to be right and so it just worked out perfectly that as i'm coming into my own i'm in my you know early 30s it's like because i wouldn't have been able to pull this off in my 20s because to me i felt like the nwa champion had to be a man you know when i had the world title at tna i was kind of like a prodigy the real world champion has to be a man harley said something to the effect of i've seen too many attempts to to resurrect the nwa i don't want to have anything to do with it and blah, blah blah and we just you know we respected that and said you know 
that's that's understandable because it's his legacy and stuff. And then by the time we got to um, WrestleCade in North Carolina last year, obviously I had worked with Cody and kind of we'd really just, you know, taken it to a completely different level. I saw him at WrestleCade in, in the Carolinas. He saw the way I presented myself. You know, I main evented that show with, with Swagger. And then when I went over to him, you know, to go and say hi, and people just kind of organically started kind of hovering around. They were like, oh, this is so cool, you know, like, and then next thing you know, we sort of look up and there's like 50 people kind of just stood around, just kind of staring at us talking, you know what I mean? Because they were just like, this is fucking nuts. Like, you know, and I, and, and I remember like, you know, chat to him for a little bit, let him get back to his signing and stuff. And, and I remember like fans coming up to me after that and being like, I just want to say, you know, that was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. A couple of days later, like his people reached out to us and were like, Hey, you know, we'd love you to come and do this show with Harley and work with Leyland and all the rest of it. And that's when we did all the sit down stuff that we put out a couple of days ago. Cause it was just like, it just meant a lot because it was, um, you know, he gave his approval to it, you know? And so, so that, that means a lot. And uh, you can watch that on the NWA YouTube channel. And it's, it's, it's an amazing chat that you guys do have and uh, isn't there a bit where you're having the photo and harley says i'll put my hand on this side of the belt you put your hand on that side of the belt. yeah it's just that connection yeah 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 he just had this way about him if you've heard harley race stories everybody will always say the same thing where he just has this way about him where it's like when he talks like you listen like you just it's like you know he just commanded respect now, part of the, the blatant ripoff of Desert Island Discs that this is, Nick, I'd like you to pick, um, to take onto the island with you, uh, a movie, an album, and a luxury item. So, movie, any of the, the Jason Bourne movies, Bourne Identity, Bourne Ultimatum, um, Bourne Supremacy, right? Those, those, those three, I think, went Identity, Supremacy, and Ultimatum. Um, any of those three, but, I mean, I suppose if I had to pick one, I guess it would probably be... Um, I like the one in the Russian one, the Born Supremacy, the second one, the best, I think. Like, I just, I could just watch that movie over and over again. I always felt like, if you notice how after the Born movies came along and everybody went, God, these, this, these are so incredible. Like, that's when the, that's when the Bond movies suddenly changed because nothing against Pierce Brosnan, right? National Treasure, but that last movie he did with Halle Berry was so cheesy and just like gadgets and like one liner after one liner, it just become like a parody of itself, you know? And then I felt like the Bourne movies kind of forced the issue in many ways, kind of like competition in wrestling, right? Like when there's one dominant brand for so long and then it was like the Bourne movies came along and it was like the fight scenes were so realistic and violent and like, but not in a not in a gory sort of gratuitous way. They just felt very real. You know, like the unarmed combat was very, very believable. And, you know, most of the fights ended with one guy strangling another guy to death, which is, you know, which is how you would imagine most would end legitimately because it's kind of like, it's ruthless, right? It's not always like, uh-oh, I'm left holding a grenade. Boom, you know, like, oh, like, you know, and like, oh, see you in the next, see you in hell. You know, you know, it's just like, these were gritty and real. And there was something really cool about, instead of a guy having, oh no, I'm stuck in this room. I better just pull out my gadget that helps me get out of this room. Watching him like take a, a, a ballpoint pen and like jam it between a guy's knuckles, you know what I mean? Stuff like that and being like, whoa, like this, you know, or you had like a rolled up, you know, rolled up newspaper and using it as a weapon and stuff like that. And you're going like, God damn, like when you sort of see you watching this going like that's that's what it, that's what i think a secret agent is probably like what about an album definitely more difficult i can't think of any piece of music that even though i listen to the same stuff over and over again it's like i'm sure that any any album after a while is going to drive me nuts but i think 
I was just, I tried to rack my brain thinking what album specifically have I listened to the most, you know, as far as just the album start to finish rather than just kind of one song off it or, you know, a playlist or whatever. Um, and I kind of boiled it down to uh, S&M Live by Metallica, the one they did with the, um, the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. Anytime you have the strings to something like that. I'm big on that. And I just, you know, Metallica are just like, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of a, a world to themselves as far as an act. And they're just like, I just thought that that whole thing was a must. That's probably the album I can listen to start to finish more easily than any other. Finally, a luxury item. I'm like, what defines a luxury item? Because if I'm stuck on a desert island, can I say private jet? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, cheating! You know, because... Uh, like, like, you know, like, you know, luxury item within reason. Like, um, wouldn't it be a, a phone or an iPad or something that I could watch all these things on? <laughs> you've gone for the practical. I mean, I admire the fact you've gone for practical because nobody else has actually I, gone a jet and an iPad. I'll be, on, I'll be real. I'll be honest with you. I'm just, I'm just not that materialistic. I just bought myself a Jag recently, which is like easily the most lavish purchase I've ever made. And even that, I was like, well, it makes economic sense because of the loan-to-value ratio on my previous car. I was able to actually reduce my monthly payments. You know what I mean? I was like, it's like other than that, I have a phone. I have a, I have a, you know, a laptop. I have, have an iPad, and I'm, I'm more about doing, you know, rather than having things. Colt Cabana is bringing a B day with him. <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be particularly worried about my anal hygiene on, on a desert island. And let's get to your third and final wrestling match, then, Nick. Uh, so it's going to be another Bret Hart because he's just he's my hero. Um, this one might be a little more surprising, and, and this is where I had to this is where I had to really start kind of boiling it down. Um, because I was like, oh, do I really have, you know, do I, do I put two Bret Hart matches in there? Um, and actually, I've changed my mind on the fly. Big shocker. Oh, hello, Swerve. Hello. Because I, I suddenly remembered, I suddenly remembered, um, I just remembered one. Because I was, I boiled it down to these two. Um, and I've actually, now, now I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking like, yeah, I would probably have this one. Because if I could never have, if I if, if I had to watch these three forever, I would probably want to have this. Uh, Flair and Steamboat, eighty nine, um, in Nashville. The uh, two out of three falls. Um, I think that one was two out of three falls. That you know they had the trilogy in eighty nine. All right, fans, this is what we came to see. Many say it's Flair's last chance. I don't know about that, but that's really an academic point. It's really irrelevant. The chance is now. That's right. It's right now, but I think he does have to do it. Has Ricky the Dragon Steamboat got Ric Flair's number? Can Ric Flair come back and win that championship for an unprecedented sixth time? Jim, I got to believe that Steamboat does have his number. And in my corner, I think I would have to say at this point, the advantage is to Rick Steamboat. The one in Nashville was just, to me, as perfect a match, like, on every level, you know, from in terms of athleticism and drama storytelling and you know endurance and that's a world championship match there are certain things about that that are undeniable one is the you know just the athleticism of those two they're just they're going tooth and nail from start to finish they didn't rest you know they just worked and worked and worked and bumped and bumped i think the match is about 45 minutes it's close to an hour and it's like there was no one else in the world at that point who could have done that no one. Flair was just untouchable, man. He just had that way about him where you could just tell that he was doing stuff on the fly. 
you could just, you know, and you could just, and you just had, he has had that unpredictable kind of nature to him. And then Steamboat was just such a perfect athlete. He's in such great shape there. He just looks like a Greek God. I mean, and, and just moved so effortlessly, so smoothly. They just, you know, everything they did was just loaded, just fully loaded. There's, there's never, there's not a single, there's not a single thing in that match that's phoned in. You know, there's not a single stomp, not a single punch, not a single chop, not a single hold, not a single, not a whip, not anything. There's not a single part of that match where it's a bit like, oh, well, we'll pretend we didn't see that. Every single thing is done with absolute intensity, absolute vigor, you know, absolute fire. And, and, and that's the measuring stick that everyone should, should be going for. And uh, as we stand, you are very much the measuring stick of the NWA. Uh, where can people go, Nick, to find out what you're up to next? At NWA on any of the platforms, the Twitter Instagram, Facebook. Um, for me, it's I'm at real Nick Aldis on uh, Twitter. I'm verified um, at Nick Aldis on Instagram. No real in front of it. And then real Nick Aldis on uh, Facebook as well for my page, which I only actually started not too long ago. So I have to kind of keep up with that one. It's too much. But um, if you haven't checked it out, uh, 10 Pounds of Gold is our series that kind of reinvigorated the NWA. And we're up to... I think we're part. Of, we're up to close to like sixty episodes now, or something. We're coming up, coming up on sixty episodes. They're all available at YouTube.com/nwa. And two out of three falls in Nashville, which was an homage to Flair and Steamboat with Cody, is up in full on the YouTube channel. People can watch that. And we're we're just getting started. We're getting ready to do some episodic shows coming up here very shortly and we're looking to present that in a completely different way that's never been done before so that's our next focus now well it's been amazing to talk to you from a personal point of view nearly 10 years ago when i saw you at Purdiswell leisure center it's been amazing 10 years on to be in a position where i can chat to you as the nwa world's heavyweight champion so thank you so much for your time oh thank you man i appreciate it 